Hey there, travelers. It's your GM, Lucas, and I'm bringing you a special. Now, this is originally just a Patreon special. We have a lot of one-shots like these, audio dramas, all sorts of good stuff. You've heard us talk about the Patreon before. If you like this kind of thing, check it out. Like, minimum a dollar, you get access to absolutely everything on there. But this special is played using the mask rule set so if you don't know about that mask is a superhero ttrpg made by magpie games check it out it's a lot of fun and very easy to dive into now we may have messed up the rules a little bit it's our first time playing so whatever but it was a lot of fun to go through uh, our players today will be umberto who plays pink bubblegum and we also have Diana from Multiclass Theater, another D&D actual play podcast, playing Allison, a very different kind of superhero. Now I'll let you listen. These two are very unique characters and a lot of fun. And just having two players, it was a first time for me to really be able to kind of dive into that kind of role playing. It's a lot of fun and you really get to explore the characters a lot more. It was really good. But this whole two-parter actually takes place in Ronnie's kingdom, the kingdom of Silindia. I guess it's not Ronnie's kingdom, kind of is, and you'll see why as you give this a listen. A lot of people have been messaging me being like, hey, what's Ronnie's place about? Hey, what was Ronnie up to? Hey, what? Were, why didn't Ronnie ever make it big if Ronnie had such a high charisma? Well, you're about to hear all about that world. But I don't want to take up all your time. So the usual spiel, check out our Patreon. It's full of rad stuff like this. And your support really helps us pay for things like hosting, new equipment, all that good stuff to help make this podcast as good as we can make it. Also, we have merch. Head on over to our Threadless store. Uh, there's a link on the Ballad website. That's Ballad7Dice.com. We have all sorts of shirts for like Death Shift, Ballad 7 Dice, all that kind of stuff. And if you're so inclined, check out our streaming show, Rise of Nilathotep. It's another D&D show we do. Uh, we even have a recap page on the website that has audio and written recaps to make it very easy to catch up. Even if you've never seen it before, we also have a getting started page and like a whole season one recap. So yeah, check it out. We're going to be hitting the season two finale right away. All right, I took enough of your time. It's early in the morning. The sun is glaring at me, so I will let you dive into this. I bring to you The Ballad of Silindia, Part 1. Hi, uh, my name is Humberto. I'm playing Pink Bubblegum. The Transformed. I am Diana. I am playing Allison, who is an outsider. Uh, I am the DM and producer of Multiclass Theater, another Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Now in our second season.
Silendia is known as a place that is ruled by trends. Often the people of Silendia think that they must be the only city because they just haven't really been bothered to look if there's anyone else out there. They are by all means the most self-absorbed. Entertainment, latest technology, gadgets, self-improvements, body modifications, this is what this place relies on. Silindia is fueled by ego and selfishness. Unfortunately, this also means that a lot of people don't really try to take care of themselves and those around them. So, there has been a rise, a rise of powered individuals that have come forward, that have actually started standing up for the people of Silindia, that aren't influenced by the dangerous trends that often crop up. Usually in Silindia, these trends will flood through the city, and it will be something as harmless as maybe you wear only red, and everyone will ditch all the other kinds of clothing they have, and they will only red, uh, wear red. There's even a trend that maybe you, everybody sells their cars. Nobody has a car and everyone has to walk. But for some weird reason, all the citizens just seem to go along with it. But then heroes started emerging. And it started happening when first a few individuals claimed they heard the sound of a beating drum. They heard this heroic call as this drumbeat continued to get louder and louder in their ears and they found that they were no longer influenced by these trends. They were no longer swayed by the masses. Instead, they could stand up and choose to do what's right. Over time, more and more individuals were hearing this call, and eventually organizations started to be formed around this. And the school, known as HERO, the Heroic Educational Academy of Ronnie O'Connell, was funded by the Church of the Shining God. They were standing up against the known villains who likewise formed an organization known as Villems. Very influential lawyers and legals against incompetent mutant seditionists. The strange thing about a lot of these villains is most of them are in business, so they are really hardcore into riding that CEO lifestyle, but also a lot of the villains used to be heroes. Which is a strange trend, but most people in Silentia just said, oh, that just must be how heroes work. They stay a hero too long and then they become a villain. You all are a part of this wonderful school, this heroic educational academy of Ronnie O'Connell. And as you are marching up to school, uh, why don't each of you say who you are and uh, who your characters are? My character's name is Allison. That's really all she goes by. She doesn't really have a last name. She is tall, slender, beautiful, everything uh, the popular girls in high school wish they were. But she wants nothing to do with any of that because she marches to her own drum. She's typically dressed in like a tartan skirt and matching blazer and penny loafers with long hair often tied back in a ponytail. The funny thing about Allison is she's not really human at all. She's actually an insectoid from near Alpha Centauri. This is her second time being sent to this world as a representative of her race. The first time ended in catastrophe, I would say, when she revealed herself on the most popular dating show known as Eternal Love. 
she was chastised and punished and sent back to this world, this time as a high school student. That's quite the punishment. Really is. <laughs> My character is uh, Ink Bubblegum. Before being Ink Bubblegum, my character was Ben Pinkerton. He wasn't like anything special. He was just like an inspector, like factory inspector, right? Like help to check if everything in the factory is like doing well, if everything's clean, if, you know, like the latest formula of a product won't kill anybody. Right? So he's not like huge or anything. But then, unfortunately, he made sort of like of an enemy just because he was doing his job. So there is this company called Bubble and Gum Industry. And he was just like supervising, just like checking if everything was okay. And the CEO got pissed at Ben Pinkerton. And he sort of like created a situation where he just threw Ben inside one of the silos containing bubblegum. Like one of one of the failed solutions of like the, the like the chemical solutions of the bubblegum formula that he wanted to to release. Then Ben he got dissolved. Everything but like he, he melted, right? So everything but his bones, eyes and brain. Oh wait, I think even the eyes. So everything, like, so the only thing that survived was like on the inside, mm -hmm. right? So a dog thought that like his plan went very well. He then dumped the, the like the remains of that silo into the sewer, sewer goes to the lake, Ben didn't die, but he sort of like sort of survived inside, you know, like that primordial soup, like primordial bubblegum soup. Mm -hmm. uh, Julia Ortiz found him and she is uh, transformed, she just like, uh, just like Ben will soon become. So she is like a jellyfish woman that like she has the power to heal others so as she heals Ben back to the closest thing to human she could make him like due to losing flesh uh, and skin and everything like due to the shock Ben just lost his memory right and Julia uh, she found like a backpack and along with him like pretty close to him and inside that backpack there was like a wallet and inside the wallet there was an ID of a high school student. So since like Julia didn't know like to whom that skeleton belonged to, mm -hmm. um, she just assumed that that skeleton belonged to this kid. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So she healed him, she helped him and like I said, uh, Pink Bubblegum, which just goes uh, by that name, can't remember who he is. Even though, like, he forgot who he was, he still have the motivation to fight uh, Dogwatt. Hmm. Right? R right after he wakes up, like, there was, like, this huge 
like a billboard with his face on it and that just triggered Ben or Pink Bubblegum into like a, a very like, furious rage so I mean he, he still like has hatred for for Dog but he doesn't know who he is he's just like basic basically all he wants is just like vengeance and we're gonna say he's a part of Villem's so just a quick question does he look like chewing gum or does he look like just a normal <laughs> Julia did what she could right if I'm not like enraged I sort of maintain like a humanoid form but like when I get enraged I basically just like I'm a blob you know and just throwing you know myself like parts of me everywhere mm. right and sometimes I just grab somebody and just shove inside of myself and they just drown. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Allison, what is your playbook? She is an uh, outsider. The outsider? And Pink Bubblegum, you are the transformed? Yeah. So both of you are walking up to school and you have had to work together because this is like a superhero training school. So you've worked together on a lot of missions before. You've, you've been teamed up. It's often some pretty mild stuff. But over time, you have gained the ire of a specific low-end villain known as Capitalism and their henchman, Tax Boy. And it has just become like every time they keep trying to find you, and make issues for you. Uh, even like if you try to rent a place, for some reason, all the rent goes up and all the other places end up going out of business because of some uh, bunch of tax issues. And they just try to make your life difficult while you're going to school, but they usually fail. So it's not too hard to defeat them. And as you walk up to your school, you gradually meet and you walk up a needlessly complex path and stairway. They're built like it goes in between both of them as it's going, even though it doesn't need to. It's a very level area, but they made them just for the students. You know, it's good. And you go and see that there is a large statue of the alleged school founder, Ronnie O'Connell, this lounge singer. It doesn't make a lot of sense, that this man, he's heralded for so much all over the city. There is many organizations in his name. There are all sorts of products named after him, movies about his life, and none of them ever really line up either. And it all just seems to be funded by the Church of the Shining God. They've been pushing it really hard the past 10 years, ever since he died at a really strange uh, talk show, Good Morning Silindia. So you walk past this statue of this half-elf man wearing a flower costume and playing a keyboard and singing. And apparently this scene was taken from one of his last concerts with his band, Ronnie and the Betrothed. As you come up to the school, there's actually a few undead workers who are like jerkily putting more arcane cement on a broken wall. Their tiny flickering flames are in their eye sockets as they glance your way, but there's no sense of awareness that could be seen in them. Uh, and a city necromancer is just sitting on a golf cart smoking out of a corn pipe, which is a really big trend right now. Everyone has corn pipes. This is a normal thing, though, because the city, uh, one of the things in Silindia, you can actually sell your corpse if you want extra money. 
So you basically just sell it to the city, saying, when I can no longer be revived, you can use my body as an undead creature to do labor around the city. And that's how a lot of the city is kept in really great shape, because they just have workers they don't have to pay, feed, they don't have to sleep. So uh, things work out if you are a necromancer in Silendia. The two of you, you get into your class. You see there's two other hero teams that are uh, also in this class of yours. There's the Butter Bars. They're a very unhealthy snack food-based group that is all heavily based around butter. Uh, A lot of their powers is making junk food and other unhealthy things, but sometimes they they can pull off a, a job or two. Really, they're backed heavily by a lot of the snack food companies, and they've just been sent to this school as like a publicity thing. Uh, and the other one is the Slayers, which is a heavy metal band turned into a heroic group. Because they all found out during one of their concerts, they all had a bunch of elemental powers and accidentally destroyed the whole place and everyone along with it. But they decided to be heroes. And you walk in, and Mrs. Mirandez is there. She's your teacher, who's also known as the Humanoid Refrigerator. And she smiles at all of you as this breeze of cold air flows towards you. Go ahead and take a seat, Allison, and Pink Bubblegum. We have a special presentation today. Okay, Mrs. M. I don't say anything, but I'm, like, super nervous. <laughs> so, like, my, you know, my humanoid form starts, you know, like, to shake. <laughs> and uh, you can see, you know, like the gums, you know, like bubbles. <laughs> yeah. And then I... Okay. Because of, like, the bubbles. Because I don't have a mouth, right? Right. I mean, I, I do my best to communicate. It kind of comes up through bubbles in you. Yeah. It's similar to that um, gelatinous cube. Oh, gelatinous rube. Gelatinous rube. Yeah. But I still have, like, I can, I can say things, right? It's just, it's su- it sounds super odd. So, Allison, you're, you're very used to Pink Bubblegum. He's been quite handy in a lot of, uh, a lot of moments, especially apprehending criminals. The fact that he is elasticy and sticky has been great for having to capture people. And walking by the, the butter bars, it, it, it just, you kind of like get heartburn just from being in the vicinity of them. They're all, they've just recently got into carnival eats. So they're all talking about how everything needs to be on a stick and deep fried before you can actually consider it a healthy food. This hero group might not live long, just for health reasons. <laughs> <laughs> the presentation starts up pretty quickly. And Miss Miranda sets up this uh, this projector, and all the technology in this world relies on arcane energy. There is some divine tech, but it's very far and few between because there aren't many gods in Silindia. There's maybe a couple that started up. A lot of them were came about from trends and with enough belief, gods manifested in this area, but. There's very few people who actually stick with it and run with being a cleric. And, of course, there's there's a lot of people. Like, there's trolls here, orcs, elves, gnomes. Like, the, the city is absolutely full with all sorts of beings. Minotaurs, ogres. And it's just like everybody works together because as far as anyone's aware, this is all there is. And the whole area around Silindia is like a wasteland. But in Silindia, it's like a utopia. 
the weather is always perfect. There's bountiful food. There's always like the fresh green grass and the beautiful parks that you can walk through. Massive skyscrapers. Nobody knows where a lot of the supplies come from, but everyone just kind of accepts it as fact of life. Starts up another slide where you start seeing uh, things in this projector where it starts talking about the great Ronnie O'Connell and going in about how he his rise to fame with Ronnie the Betrothed and then eventually he got replaced by a dwarf named Kyle. His life just started spiraling and it, it's a really weird documentary that you end up having to watch for some time. As you're all sitting there, suddenly you feel your desks begin to shake. And everyone starts getting a little panicky. Miss Miranda's is looking around. From the wall to your right, which should be facing outside, naturally. Suddenly, it explodes open. And then you hear, Ha 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 ha! Prepare yourself for the taxes of your life! And you see capitalism. And you uh, hear another person jump in there and say, And it's me, Tax Boy! Prepare to be audited into the next century! And you watch as the ground starts getting turned into gold from Tax Boy and capitalism, as their main thing is money-based. So what would you two like to do seeing your uh, nemesis show up so soon? As, like, the wall exploded, I'll try just to, to grab, like, as many, like, you know, for the debris not to hit, like, the other students. Mm -hmm. I'll just try to reach out, you know, just grab them. Why don't you roll to uh, defend someone? So you roll 2d6 plus your savior. Low is bad, right? Yeah, what'd you get? High is good, right? High is great. High is amazing, right? Yes, you got so two. So I got one and one. Oof. <laughs> okay. So let's see. When you roll defend on a seven to nine, it costs you. Okay, so what condition do you want to give yourself as you watch these bricks fly and it collides with many of the people of the butter bars? Uh, hitting them, their their snacks going flying, and some of them look like they actually got pretty injured. So give yourself a condition. There's angry, afraid, guilty, hopeless, or insecure. I think I'll feel guilty. So you you are now guilty. And what would you like to do, Allison? You watch as these bricks go flying, hitting the butter bars, and slowly things are transforming into gold. So Allison reaches down and on her wrist, what looks like a very fashionable bracelet uh, consisting of a metal band and a silver disc. She takes the disc from her bracelet, throws it down towards the ground. As it heads towards the ground, it expands into a saucer about three and a half to four feet wide. She does a backflip and at the same time materializes a broadsword out of midair, landing on the disc and readying the sword. Oh, I like that. That's fancy. <laughs> Do you want to try to provoke someone, like scare them with uh, how much you're going to mess them up? Uh, I think she wants to talk a little smack. Okay. 
um, like, okay, like, so you come in here and you like make everything gold and like you want to collect like taxes from us, like, but you're like giving us gold. Isn't that like socialism? Like, I'm not sure I'm like feeling your whole vibe here. I think you you might hit them with a powerful blow on this one. You should try to provoke them. <laughs> it's a role plus superior. We're not socialists. I got a three. Oof. Uh, okay. When you say this, you ring out these words. You feel very confident you're standing there holding on to your sword, looking at them. And you see Tax Boy go, Oh, but we're collecting the gold. And we're collecting you. And he points, and one of the butter bars who got hit with a rock, and he's kind of holding his head as this butter is leaking out instead of blood. You watch as he slowly transforms into gold. He's like, no! You shall be our prophet today! In capitalism, she looks down at Tax Boy, and she pats him on the head. She's like, that's right! And she whips uh, her hand up and suddenly all this money like these dollar bills start flying in and forming up like this little uh, little mini hurricane underneath her rising her up and she starts advancing towards all of you what would you like to do? I'm going to zoom forward to meet her Okay. my broadsword held out and I'm going to take a slash at her and try to, as sort of I zoom by, so like slash and then like zooming loop-de-loop thing. For sure. That sounds like uh, directly engage a threat. It does sound like that. So can I provoke them? Because the moment that they're creating more gold, mm-hmm. it means like the gold prices will go down. <laughs> so, I mean... You hit them with logic. Literally, yeah, like that's stupid. Yeah. Right? Uh, first we'll we'll wrap up. For, so Diana, what did you get for directly engage a threat? I got an eight. All right. So on the seven to nine, pick one: resist or avoid the enemy blows, take something from them, create an opportunity for your allies, or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. I will choose impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. Okay. So you come by with your sword and you swing it at them and you actually clip capitalism. You knock off a piece of her golden mask that she has and it goes flying off. And she didn't expect this and her dollar bills start like giving way and she falls down to the ground and starts scurrying backwards from you as you're zipping around. But while you're doing that, you're a little too focused on capitalism and when you do the loop-de-loop, your feet fall off the the saucer and you crash onto Miss Miranda's desk. Oof. So you can take one of the conditions, angry, afraid, guilty, hopeless, or insecure. Uh, I will take insecure. And you do see that uh, one of the students from one of the other classrooms in the hallway and they are recording this and it's definitely gonna go on the internet. Uh, not the internet. So did I see that? Uh, yeah, you see as your your teammate, uh, she falls off her disc, landing onto the ground. Can I try to, like, um, prevent her, like, to fall? Sure. You could try to roll another defend. Let's see if I won't break you into two. Oh, mine is good. Hey! So, uh, on a 7 and 9, it costs you, you expose yourself to danger, 
or escalate the situation, but you could do one of the following. You can uh, add a team to the pool, which I totally forgot to do. You get team points, which think of it like one of you can use this team point to make you, the other person's role do better. Mm-hmm. Or you can take influence over someone you protect. So you would gain influence over Allison, which means like basically you get bonuses to your roles when dealing with Allison. Or you can clear a condition of your own that you have. So I think helping her, I think maybe I should just clean my guilt. You you feel better about not being so... Yeah, I mean, I screwed that time, but like this time it wasn't like that bad. So you, how, do, how does it look when you go to save Allison? I, so I stretch my arm, um, and then my fingers, they also stretch, and uh, my, so like everything sort of like stretches as much as it can, each one, like each end of my fingers, they just, they stick to the wall, and then she would fall on top of my palm. Oh, so it's like a, a bouncy net. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you do this, and Allison, you you bounce off of Pink Bubblegum's fingers, and uh, it was just before you're about to hit the desk. So actually, I'll I'll let you take away that insecure, since Pink Bubblegum helps you out there. But as you're doing this, Pink Bubblegum, you saw that Tax Boy was left to their own devices, and they go in with this whirlwind slap, and they jump and they spin. And the thing about Tax Boy is, Tax Boy is clearly a 45-year-old man. Uh, and it's just always weird when they call themselves Tax Boy. Uh, they dress up with, like, a little kid's cape and stuff like that. It's it's awkward. Uh, kind of like a SpongeBob, Merman, and, uh... It's part... Oh, I already forgot that, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes in, and he does this, like, roundhouse slap. And you see that another two members of the Butterbar crew are turning into gold, and the last Butterbar is just trying to scramble out of there. And the the Slayer group, for all the gusto they have, they look terrified at this situation. And you see now that, that capitalism is trying to regain their composure as they're trying to get away from Allison and Allison's sword, more specifically. And you see as they start gathering the dollar bills again once more, lifting them in the air, and you can hear the clear sounds of vehicles approaching from outside. Uh, first, after she avoids hitting the desk, she's just like, ah, thanks, BG, and hops back up on her feet. I just give like a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> she is going to uh, provoke Tax Boy while still holding her sword in a somewhat defensive position. She tilts her head and blinks coolly at Tax Boy and says, Oh, what's the matter? Didn't Mommy and Daddy love you enough? It's gonna be tough for Tax Boy. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and roll that roll. That's plus superior. Ten. Ten. Alright, let's see what happens. I'm provoked someone on a ten plus... So you could choose that they stumble, and you can take a plus one moving forward on them. So you get to choose two of these. Or you can choose that they err, and you gain a critical opportunity to try to take them out. Or they overreact, and you gain influence over them. 
they overreact and then they air. My, my parents cared about me. They always make sure that I have breakfast in bed each morning. I still live with my parents. That's how much they love me. I, it's not that I didn't want to get my own place. I, I have more than enough gold. <laughs> he just starts freaking and throwing a tantrum, and the last butter bar is able to actually scamper out of the room thanks to this. And Pink Bubblegum, while Tax Boy is having basically a, a tantrum, an adult tantrum, in this place, you see uh, capitalism is starting to gather themselves back up. What would you like to do? Can I try to maybe unleash my powers and, um, like, grapple? Sure, like, coat them both in gum? Yeah. Okay, definitely. So I got 14. Oh my god. All right. You start getting your, all your powers up. You feel your bubble gum rising. And what does it look like when you capture these two villains? Just gather around them, you know, and start absorbing them. So <laughs> it's horrifying to watch <laughs> because Pink Bubblegum was in like a bit of a humanoid form and just starts like moving and like bubbling and growing and stretching and like grabs on to tax boy and grabs on to capitalism and they're like no not again <laughs> as they're getting pulled back in and they're just slowly being dragged into pink bubblegum is like no and then they just get absorbed and you just see them they're like pushing at the bubblegum but they can't get out can they transform me like transform me into gold they seem to have a hard time with it, especially when he's flustered. Okay, so I start to constrict. Yeah, so you now have these, so like we're, we're basically out of this combat, or you, you have them incapacitated, they're, they're inside of you. <laughs> and quickly through the hole, naturally the first responders come through, the reporters and the cameramen. They're all, like, piling through, like, falling. Uh, basically, if you've seen any videos yet of Fall Guys, that's what it looks like. They're all just, like, falling over <laughs> each other in this giant mound as they're rushing through, like, oh, a word, a word, please, a word. Quickly, one woman, she's, like, beating a few of the other reporters back with her microphone and, like, crawls over one. She's standing on a guy, and her cameraman is like, I got it, as he's trying to zoom in. And uh, she straightens herself out. She fixes her hair, looks over at the, the camera and says, John DeHarris on the scene. I'm here with a local hero group that has finally put an end to capitalism and our henchman, Tax Boy. How does it feel to be contributing to the well-being of our society and the economy? And points the microphone in both of your faces. It's just another day for me. <laughs> <laughs> Allison looks at her and... Um, like... Yeah, I mean... We were just sitting in class and then they came and interrupted our school day, like... I'm not sure how much we contributed to the economy. I mean, like, maybe you'd be better off just gathering up all of this gold. Like, I don't know. But, but Allison, like, they're destroying property, right? I mean... I mean, sort of, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but, like, gold. Like, I don't know. It's all so confusing. You see the last butter boy comes back in and is weeping over his three golden comrades. I mean, like, you want tragedy? That's tragedy. Ooh. Do you know how many calories he eats a day? He is crying butter. <laughs> I need this. Quick, yeah. Larry! <laughs> and he's just, he's trying, I'm trying! Just zoom in! Okay? 
And now she's uh, she's trying to interview a sobbing Butterboy, the last Butterboy. That will be the name of his autobiography five years down the line. Oh, uh, right before he dies, right? Of a heart yes. attack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All his money <laughs> will just go to the fast food industry. So, BG, are you like, I don't, do you just like eat them or are you going to like give them to like the authorities? Like, kind of fuzzy on what we do here. I don't know. I mean, the last time. I let them go, right? And, um... I don't know if I should kill them. <laughs> you, or, uh, do you hear Miss Miranda say, Consume hey. them? Pink bubblegum! And she's like, you see she has her arms full of, like, golden objects, like a stapler. <laughs> a cup and everything. She's just like, listen, pink bubblegum? Uh, shoot. Well, I'll take those two. Damn it. Uh, let me just drop the stuff off at my locker, and I will be back. And uh, I, I will deal with those two getting uh, brought in to the police. I, I'll freeze them myself. Don't worry. Do not consume them this time. I mean, there was never like a last time. They just know that I can. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're just like, <laughs> you see a hand push. I'm like, help. So, like, I sort of break their fingers, <laughs> so they won't do anything. Okay. Right. I mean, th- that's horrible. But I mean, I just get like tired of like that thing happening like all the time. Yeah. So I just like, I mean, I don't have like to break all the fingers. Yeah, it's a, a few unsettling crunches you can hear within the bubble. Yeah. Room. And then I tell Allison. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> it doesn't take long for Miss Miranda's to come back, and she. As uh, collecting the the two, and as like they step out, they're like, "Oh, thank good!" And she puts a hand on their face, and they just freeze solid. Like that's one, all right. And then grabs the other one. They're like, "No, not again!" And then they get frozen and drugged over, and just uh, sat over near her desk. And she's like, "Well, the classroom is made out of gold now. Um, there's a hole in the wall, and it looks like this floor's been pretty damaged. So you can have the day off, I guess." So, um, this, what about the quiz tomorrow? Like, do we get, like, extra credit or something? Like, honest, it's almost impossible to fail someone uh, from this school. There has been one fail boy, and uh, they are still in the first class. Oh. Unfortunate power, really, to fail everything. Yeah, I think I read about him on the internet. People are telling him to fail upwards, but he, he failed to understand the comment. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you'd think Failboy would just be a good identity to take, but, like, yeah, some people. Yeah, well, I mean, all power to him if that's what he wants to do. I don't think it is, but... So now you have more or less, like, the, the day free. And like all superheroes, you hear the drum in your head this constant like boom 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 and it's just it's it's faint but it's always there and it's been just a part of your life ever since you really could remember and for you Allison it's really ever since you've come to Thailandia you just think like everybody probably hears this drum so to you it's normal and you pink bubblegum ever since you woke up and you were pink bubblegum you've always just known this drum it probably is, like, a lot fainter for me, right? Yeah. Well, uh, for both of you, it's not 
it's not super loud, but like you, you can hear it. Think of it like mm-hmm. somebody's playing loud music like six houses away sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I probably feel more the vibration than like the sound itself, right? It, the weird thing is you don't actually feel a vibration from where it's coming from. You just hear oh. the drum beat. Okay. You have the day free and school starts naturally at 5 p.m. and it goes till 6 p.m. because that's how school works here. So uh, you have uh, what little of the evening uh, that you want before you have to go home to where, where do each of you stay? Allison lives with her parents who are actually her keepers and minders and report back to her homeworld. Hmm. So she very much kind of has that teenage existence for real. That was a heavy punishment. It really was. It, it, it was humiliating. Where do you stay, Pink Bubblegum? I just go back to the lake. Okay. And stay with Julie Ortiz. Okay. So is there anything you two would like to do, or do you think that you would probably go home after dealing with this fiasco? So, uh, BG, just so you know, the other night... um. Like, if my parents call, tell them we were out on a mission. Tell them it was homework. Just cover for me, okay? Like, just, just tell them we were on a mission. Please. The last cell phone that I had just, you know, got consumed by my body. <sighs> so if they call, like, they won't be able to... Yeah, like, me. you know what? Like, I should, like, make something for you, like, so that doesn't happen. Like, you know, um, let me think about it. Because I actually have the alien tech uh, skill, so perhaps I could whip something up. Yeah, you could definitely whip something that would be more resilient to his bubblegum nature. Uh, yeah, give me, give me, like, the evening to work on that. Um, I think I've got some stuff at home. If not, I think, I think Radio Shack is still open. There's definitely a Radio Shack, and it's doing well. Very well. (laughs) (laughs) In this parallel reality. Yeah, there's always one person with the Radio Shack (laughs) shirt, and they actually help you, and they actually want a commission. So they do really well. Their customer (laughs) service is great, and their uh, amount of products they have, they actually don't break when you bring them home. All reasonably priced as well. (laughs) This fictional Radio Shack. (laughs) I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, are you just going to go home and... What do you do in the lake? Like, do you, you don't live in the lake, right? Like, you have, like, a house. I don't. I mean, I don't feel a lot. I mean, I know when I'm grabbing something, when I'm pushing something, I have control of it. But I don't feel. So, if, like, when I'm sitting on a bench or, like, like on the rocks it doesn't actually matter because my body sort of like shapes into you know whatever you know I'm touching even though like I do my best like not to but it's it's very hard for me what about like like emotionally or psychologically like don't you have like you know wants and needs don't you get bored yes I mean I can't even remember who I am right so that's just, like, everything else is just, like, so small in comparison. I mean, Julia, she's, she always tries, like, to, to be there. Like, and I, I talk to her, so she's 
like very much my emotional support for that. She said that she was going to, I don't know, like start building up something so I could stay in. But like I said, I, I don't mind, I don't feel cold or like heat. And I like just watching the stars, you know, during the night. So I think it's, it's a good perk for being the way I am, I think. That was, um, that was very beautiful, BJ. Thank you. <laughs> so there's this, uh, this touching moment. Actually, do you have your playbooks open? Is there something for opening up? It's all about teenage feelings. Uh, there's team moves. When you share a triumphant celebration with someone, take influence them, or if you show them medium, meaningful affection, physical or emotional, they decide if it's meaningful. You would get, I think it's a plus one point for potential. When you share vulnerability or weakness with somebody, they tell you what you should do to fit in more, take plus one forward. So yours is uh, if they help you kind of like fit in, if you share that you're feeling like you don't. Yeah. So for the transformed, when you share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, ask them if they think you're losing or gaining humanity. If they say losing, mark a condition and mark a potential. If they say gaining, clear a condition and shift mundane up and any other label down. So I think in, in this moment, if you wanted to do that, you could. Because I think you're you're sharing about how you can't feel and how you, you feel like a little... Like it's okay in some senses. So I ask her... Close to you, I don't like you is like such a popular girl like I feel like I don't feel so left out so thank you for being there and um, thank you for not seeing me as a freak BG you're not a freak you're not don't let them get to you you're you so when I point to myself you can see that my finger it's sort of melds into my own body and then I say like I clearly am right I mean I do my best but like I can hardly maintain uh, my humanoid form I know but like okay look at the butter boys or whatever they were like that used to be the football team I mean come on like you think they're better than you they're going to be dead in two... Actually, most of them are dead now. The other one isn't going to see 25. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's more like how other people perceive me rather than how... Like, what I think about myself. I mean, I do see myself as a freak, but... I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I, should, I shouldn't just, like, care about, like what other people think it's just hard you know especially it's not just how i feel it's not even like having the initial support for my own feelings right because i don't even like i said i don't even know who i am i don't i i don't have any like you don't have a past i have anger right i, I i'm i'm a lot of impulses and emotions even though like I'm opening up to you it's I think feelings sort of like drive me more 
than what I actually think. You know, rather than my thoughts, I think my feelings, it just drive me way, like, it's just like a stronger force, right? So not knowing who I am, not having a past, I can't even, like, the only, I have you and I have Julia, but it's pretty much like the two of you guys. I don't, I don't have, I don't have anyone to turn to. Well, you have us, and the past doesn't matter. You have a future, you have your whole life ahead of you. You decide who you are, and who you want to be. At least, like, physically, I think so. I can be gigantic. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can be small, I agree with you. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I can die. I mean, how's that human? How's that like anything close to human? I'm no expert on what it means to be human, but I think more people feel the way you're feeling than you think. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Thank you. You can shift your mundane up and any of your other labels down, if you like. And clear a condition if you have one. I don't have a condition. Then you can mark a potential. Because you should get something. That was a good scene. <laughs> and naturally, this conversation, like it kind of like you were walking and you, you left the school grounds. It, it took the 15 minutes to get through the stairs. That It should have only been like a two-minute walk. You're walking around town for a little bit, having this conversation. You were uh, just dodging a few of the erratic drivers of Magitek cars. They were racing by, and you were seeing some of the other heroes like fly through the sky as you were kind of sitting uh, at this one little cafe, and you were watching them battle these other ridiculous villains, thinking about how you could be those heroes one day. And... Night starts to roll around, and one thing you both notice is this has never happened before, but the sounds of those drums is getting louder. So I'll ask Alison, like, do you feel that? Like the drums? I can feel them. Like, it seems like they are stronger. Like, I feel inside my body. Even though, like, I don't, I know it doesn't vibrate, but it's sort of like, I don't know, me just being like a jelly. I mean, I wish there was just a little bit of, uh... We can add some vibration. We say since it's louder, you feel, you can see pink bubblegum every so often, you just like, boo. He's like, it's yeah. like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I can, f I can feel it in my teeth. God, that's so weird. Yeah. Ah, I don't like how that feels at all. So, question: Do I know that Allison is not human? That's a. I've been thinking about that. I'm. I don't know. If, eh, I don't think she would have I mean, confided in you yet. Like, hmm. I. I think it's. That's, that's kind of what I've been wrestling with. I think it's. I think she's close, but I don't think she's said anything yet. Mm. Mm hmm. You feel yourselves being drawn to the school, and you, you know that it's time 
Definitely, Allison, you know that it's time to go home. You have gotten a number of texts on your phone saying, Daughter, you have to return to the home unit. This is a completely regular text. <laughs> Stuff like that. and <laughs> But you just, both of you are feeling so drawn to your, your school, your classroom. Do you want to, like, I don't know. Do you want to head back to school? Like, I just kind of... I don't know. I think we should. As, as you're saying that, like, my skeleton is sort of, like, facing forward, but my body just, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, like, turns, like, 180 degrees without even, like, me realizing that. And I say, yeah, I think so. And then I just realize, and I'm like, oh, no. And then, bloop, I just <laughs> spin inside myself. <laughs> and you can hear like the squishes the bubble gum and yep. stuff <laughs> BG you don't see this but she kind of like shudders a little bit she's like I'll never get used to that <laughs> <laughs> every so often like his skull like kind of presses out and like slurps back in <laughs> not a freak but totally a freak <laughs> yeah just, you're just a hero <laughs> and so you two are walking throughout the night and this drum, it just keeps getting louder and louder to the point where you feel like someone's playing a drum near you and you find yourselves walking through the halls. You see a number of pictures along the walls of different heroes throughout the times. You see there is the picture of the Iron Guardian. They were one of the first sentient since that exist in Silindia, there actually was a revolt maybe 15 years ago where the sins tried to rise up, but it was a failed one. And after that, the Iron Guardian just started realizing that they should protect people and they started going out of their way. You see a few others like uh, the Solar Flare and their, their issue is that their heat was too much and they ended up imploding at one point, but... They were pretty good for a while helping out people. And it's just a number of these heroes, but the, the strange thing is I'd say about maybe 90% of these heroes as you're walking through this hall have all gone missing or they've died. Like it's, heroes don't seem to last very long in Silindia. You get to your classroom and you can hear the sounds of metal straining. As you walk in there, you feel almost like you're in a trance and the gold that tax boy has sort of turned everything into in this area this room was never meant to be made out of gold it has wrecked a lot of the structural integrity and as the weight is too much and the floor slowly starts to heave before you can react you suddenly hear a loud snap and boom and you feel the ground give out around you and the drums are deafeningly loud. And as these drums are going, Pink Bubblegum, you're having a hard time holding your form. Like you keep like mutating and moving around. You're holding your ears, Allison, and you're echoing out this screech. That is normal for your people, but a human teenager would never be able to emanate as you're clutching at your ears. And both of you are just falling and falling and falling. 